It's time for Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk on News Talk 1400, WDWS Champaign-Urbana, where we talk all things Illini along with other area national sports. Join the program by calling 217-356-9397 or send a text to the Castle Heating and Cooling text line 217-351-5357. You can also email us at talk at WDWS.com. Now, here are your hosts, Lauren Tate and Steve Kelly. Good morning, sports fans, and welcome to Illini Fellows Saturday Sports Talk. We're here for the next couple of hours with the phone lines open if you'd like to jump in. Lauren Tate is standing by. He has not transferred as yet, or I'm at least on it, he hasn't put his I'm name in into the portal. The, you put your name <laughs> in the portal to transfer at this uh, point in your life. Why not? Everybody else, That's right. everybody else seems to be doing it. Uh, Adam Miller, of course, the latest. If you want to comment on that, feel well, Bill free. Bill Self's not in the portal. He's going to no. stay at Kansas no matter what. Lifetime contract for <laughs> Bill Self. Our phone number is 217-356-9397. If you'd like to join us to talk about Adam Miller transferring or anybody else transferring or people that aren't transferring yet, We'll uh, get into that throughout the show today. It's Final Four weekend over in Indianapolis. Uh, today's games, Houston and Baylor at 4.15, UCLA and Gonzaga at 7.30. Where's our Midwest or our Eastern uh, team in the tournament this year? Where are they? They're out to lunch. <laughs> They're playing golf <laughs> or whatever they do in the off season. So uh, those two games are coming up. The women's Final Four. Uh, began last night. Stanford beat South Carolina in a battle of uh, number one seeds, 66 to 65. South Carolina had a pretty good look at uh, a game winner at uh, the end of the ball game, but it didn't go. And then Arizona beat UConn by 10, a bit of a surprise. So you've got a Pac-12 national championship on the women's side. They are dominating us from the West. They really are. Those two teams, Arizona and Stanford, will play for the third time this season. And Stanford has won the uh, first two ball games there in that uh, women's four. It's Arizona and Stanford coming up. Major League Baseball, the Cardinals and the Reds this afternoon at 310. The Pirates and the Cubs at 120. Those uh, four teams did not play yesterday after opening the season on Thursday. The White Sox beat the Angels late last night out west, 12-8, to and those two teams play again tonight. So Pujols hit a home run in that game. Did he? Yeah, he bombed a three-run homer that made the game closer, and it was 7-6 going into the, I think, going into the ninth, wasn't it? Yes. And then the, the White Sox erupted. But um, it's it's still too, it's awful early to tell about pitching, and, and we're not getting a good read on it right now. Cardinals will throw Adam Wainwright this afternoon in Cincinnati. The Cubs go with uh, Jake Araneta. And uh, a guy that's back with the Cubs. So is, this, is this the same Arietta? Arietta, yes. <laughs> that one. The I was getting my Arenado and Ariettas. <laughs> and a Rosarina. A Rosarinas. <laughs> get them mixed up. All mixed up there. But uh, we do have the phone lines open. Let's uh, get the uh, show underway with uh, a phone call from Alan in Montrose. Go ahead, Alan. Morning, guys. Uh, I was a little surprised to hear about. Uh, Oh, can you hear me now? Adam Miller, yeah, yeah you're surprised you. to hear it. Okay, I'm getting feedback from my uh, line through me. Uh, anyway, uh, 
Adam Miller is uh, leaving, and I'm kind of curious as to why, although I did hear uh, mainly his uh, mother wanted him to move on. Well, and I think. I hear Georgie yeah. is uh, going back to Russia to play ball. That's what we and hear. And we're going to lose Williams and Frazier. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know if the Frazier thing is settled, but, uh, but, I, but he's told some people that he's not coming back, and yet I, think, uh, I don't think it's completely resolved. People do change their mind, uh, you know, and Georgie could change his mind. But Miller, uh, Miller caught us all by surprise, I think. I don't think anybody expected that. But um, there were factors. Psychologically, when you're the player of the year in the state and you come in with great expectations, and clearly Curbelo got more love from the fans than, than, uh, than Miller did probably. And just a lot of things that added up. And, and I, I didn't expect it, but he, he's a guy that uh, – really needs a lot of work on his game. I mean, he really, truly does. I'm not saying that he won't develop over time. Everybody gets better as they get older, but he had, you know, every mo somebody said to me, well, every time he went in for a drive-in, he got it blocked, which was true in some cases, and and he didn't have a, a mid-range game developed at all. And, uh, you know, when you play 31 games and you only have 26 assists and you play – 31 games and you only have you only make 26 free throws. There's something wrong with your game at that point if you started every game. That's all I'm saying. That that points to you. Uh, also, I have a comment on the baseball side. Uh, I think they've given me one more reason not to go to a ball game this year because they moved the All Star game for political reasons. Mm -hmm. uh, State of Georgia had the right to do what they wanted to do, but you know these sports uh, leagues can't help themselves. They got to get involved with the politics. So I may still watch baseball on TV, but I doubt very seriously if I go to another uh, baseball game again. And I hate that. Well, I don't know what to say about the you know the the equal voting opportunity argument is going on full bore and. And uh, the the All Star Game got caught up in Atlanta. Got caught up in it, and uh, I think it's unfortunate for the people of Atlanta that would have made a few bucks and and uh, been able to highlight their city uh, around that game. It's just unfortunate. It's not going to happen. Have you heard? I have not heard where it's going to be played. Steve, do you know? I do not know. I don't think it. Alan, have you heard anything on that? They haven't. They haven't decided. Uh, I guess 30 teams jumped in and wanted it all of a sudden, so they're going to decide next month or so, I'm guessing. Yeah. Okay, Alan, thanks. Appreciate your call. Thank you. Yep. Phone line is open, 217-356-9397. Some other scores of note this morning as we get rolling. Illinois baseball last night lost to Nebraska, 8-6. to The Illini are now 7-9 and on the season. A little chilly over there at the ballpark, was it? Yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't entirely comfortable. It wasn't horrible. I mean, the, uh, uh, you know, uh, seated in the stands there, where the wind wasn't too bad. But uh, it, this isn't still isn't quite baseball weather, do you think? No. <laughs> and and they moved today from the middle of the day to tonight yeah. at 5 o'clock because of the winds. Yeah. What they say, but it's not. <laughs> it can't be windier than it was last weekend no. when Northwestern hit uh, 15 home runs in that series. But Illinois baseball against Nebraska today at 5. Volleyball. Had a four-match winning streak snap last night to number eight Purdue. They got swept three to nothing. They'll play the season finale for Illinois 
coming up at uh, 1230 today over in West Lafayette. Purdue's really good, aren't they? They are. Yeah, they're, they're going to be uh, maybe a number two seed. Illinois gave him a fight after getting blown out in the first set, 25 to 10. It was 27-25 in the second and 25 to 20 in the third. So the Illini volleyball team is 6 and 11 going into the final match of the season for them. Illinois softball now 12 and 5 on the year after a 4 nothing win over Wisconsin. Sickles, she can throw it. She's going to pitch uh, both ends of a doubleheader today. I'd throw her both ends today, too. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> They play a doubleheader in Madison today. The uh, golf, the Illini men's golf team is probably on the course as we speak down in Augusta, playing in the Augusta Invitational. This is a, a tournament they play in just about every year. Then the guys get to stay and go to uh, the Masters practice rounds on mm -hmm. Monday and Tuesday. That's a, a good treat for the Illinois golf team. So the uh, men's Augusta Invitational is Saturday and Sunday. Men's tennis continues to uh, roll on with a 6-1 win over Wisconsin at home. Brad Dancer's team is 13-2 and 10-1 and in the Big Ten. I think they've won nine in a row. They have. They? They'll try to make it 10 tomorrow against Minnesota. The Illinois soccer team is at Northwestern today for a noon matchup. That uh, game uh, gets underway, as, as I mentioned, at noon, and the soccer team is 5-4-1 on the year. The men's gymnastics team is at the Big Ten Championships in Omaha today and tomorrow. The women's gymnastics team participated in regional play in Athens and was eliminated. They finished third out of uh, four teams, so the uh, first two teams there will go against each other today. Those are some of the headlines. We've got some few high school football scores for you. Monticello, how about those sages? Beat Rantoul 40 to nothing. They're undefeated, aren't they? I think they might be. Unity, I, you know that better than I, but I think so. Unity beat uh, Pontiac 46-8. to It was at Wood Hammond, Arthur Lovington 37, Cerro Gordo Bement 6, Salt Fork over Georgetown Ridge Farm 21 to nothing. Watsika beat Seneca 20-14. to Westville, same score, 20-14 to over Oakwood. Arcola 42, Sangamon Valley 6. A couple other scores, uh, Tremont beat Fisher 20-18. to Argena Oriana over Tri-County, 31-28. And Cumberland, 34. Villa Grove Heritage, nothing in high school football uh, big, in April. Big news developing on the on the uh, coaching front in, in basketball with uh, uh, Moser going to Oklahoma. And in his absence at, at Loyola, looks like they're going to name uh, Drew, uh, Drew Valentine, who's the brother of the Valentine that played for Michigan State. Plays Denzel, for the Bull. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, plays for the Bulls now. He's 29 years old. He's yeah, going to be 30 in May, and, and they say that if he does a good job, and that's a big if, who's going to be successor to Izzo? Ooh, Might be him. Could be. Yeah, I mean, he'd be, he'd be but that's a big, you know, how, how do you? Did he go to Michigan State? Boy, that's a good question. Well, I don't know. We'll have to look background. that up. I assume he did, but I don't know. Right. I don't know where he went to, to college. Porter Moser goes to Norman, Oklahoma, to succeed Lon Kruger at yep. Oklahoma. I think that's yep. a, a good move and a good hire for both parties there. Let's go back yep. to the phones real quick. Jim calling in from Mattoon. Good morning, Jim. Hey, good morning, guys. A uh, couple questions uh, kind of related to Miller, but Lauren and Steve, how does, how does his leaving affect the relationship of the Illinois program with his AAU program team? I think at Mac Irvin Fire, if I got that right. Yeah, well, I, 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 it doesn't help. <laughs> I just 
I don't know. I don't know that you can. Uh, there's nothing you can do about it. I mean, it's his decision to leave, and I, he, he certainly wasn't right. encouraged to do so. Uh, I I don't know, uh, I, I, but it can't possibly help. And then my my next question, guys, when okay, let's let's just take uh, again Brad and and his connection to that program. What do the AU programs expect from from a program? In other words, if they they tell coach, hey, we're we're going to really encourage this kid to come to Illinois, but w- what's expected in return? Boosters to donate money to finance these programs. In in other words, do these these programs hold a college hostage just because of the talent that they may be sending their way? Boy, it's a really good question that I can't answer. I, I don't know what the deal is, and they're not going to tell us. I just don't know. I, I, yeah, because I remember Bruce Weber wouldn't play the game. Bruce, Bruce said, I'm, I'm not going to be part of that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's you know it's just a shame. And, you know, these kids, you know, 17, 18 years old, being so influenced by, by their coaches and – um, I don't know. It's it's just to me. It's it's a troubling part of of the sport right now. Yeah, you know. Anyway, I, I, uh, I, I could tell you that I'm with sorry. junior colleges, you know, the old deal was you send me your player and I'll help you get another one. You know, next right. year that so and so may not be uh, academically eligible, and or he may just for some reason need to go to junior college. Then you help that school get that player if he helps you get his top player. But as far as the AAU, I'm sure it works the same way generally, but I don't know specifically. Okay. Uh, just two quick questions, guys. I appreciate your time. Uh, the Georgie thing, that, that happened last night. I, I had not heard anything about that. No, well, that's just rumor. That's Well, yeah, oh. it is rumor, but it's been going on more than last night. Right, I mean, yes. I've, I've known about Georgie likely leaving for some time. Okay, but, and also um, – Melendez Melendez has committed, but when when does he sign? Is that by August? Oh does no, the signing sooner than that. I, I oh man, you're gonna make me look up the signing date. I, I'll try to do that right now. Uh, I'm, I'm okay. just gonna Google it. I, I, I maybe I can get the, the next signing date for college basketball. We've got time to check that out. We appreciate it, Jim. Anything else? Uh, no, thanks, guys. I love your show. Okay, appreciate Sturdy's you. Sturdy going to be on with us. He'll have it. Yeah, appreciate you listening, Jim. Thank you very much. Thank you. Next signing date. Drew Valentine, by the way, went to college at Oakland University okay. in Michigan. Okay. And actually played in the NCAA a couple of times, our information tells us. So we'll take our first break at 9.16. We'll keep the phone lines open, 356-9397. If you'd like to join us, Illini Pella, Saturday Sports Talk. And we're back with more after this. Welcome back to Illini Pella, Saturday Sports Talk. Well, Steve, uh, the uh, signing day uh, has been extended, and, and according to what I'm reading here, it says April 14th, which is 10 days from now, that you could actually sign players. Right. So I assume— It extends through sometime in August. Well, August 1. Okay. And, uh, 2 August. Yeah, 2 August. And so I, uh, I assume we can sign these guys in, uh, you know, in 10 days. We'll see. That would be Melendez and anybody else they might uh, lock down between now and then. They're well, still Ty Ty Washington is going to announce this coming week, I, and they think they're going to get him, but who knows? We we seen him twist in the last moment. We're going to have Brad Sturdy as one of our guests today at uh, nine forty-five. He is at an AAU basketball tournament as we speak. He was there yesterday, and will be there over the weekend up in uh, Wisconsin. So we'll check in with him and talk some 
basketball recruiting, some portal questions, anything else that you might have on your mind. We'll have the phone lines open there as well when uh, Brad Sturdy joins us. Also coming up at 930, we'll talk about the new Eastern Illinois University basketball coach, Marty Simmons, with his new boss, Tom Michael, the AD at EIU, will join us at 930. Then in the second hour, Will Leach from MLB.com and Tom Ackerman from KMOX in St. Louis. So with the baseball season underway, both those guys will have some baseball thoughts, and uh, you might too. I'm going to switch you back to Richie's uh, statements or his column today about the starting lineup. I want to know if, how, if you agree with it. Scott Richie, okay. Okay. We've got Coburn at center. Cock, I, I mean, he's. With your fingers on the, crossed. On the assumption <laughs> he's coming back, which is, you know, I don't know how you can make that assumption. No. It's 50 50. But you got Grandison and, and Hutcherson in there, both transfers who. Uh, of course, Grandison played this year. Hutcherson set out two years essentially with a back injury. Then you got Melinda's the rookie, and Corbello, of course. But uh, have you seen uh, have you seen any of the Twitter videos of Hutcherson in his yes, workouts? Yes, I have. They're pretty impressive. They are. They but are. Uh, so you hope that uh, he stays healthy. He's got uh, great hops and uh, he's got a good shooting touch. And we, we were hearing good things about him before he got hurt and but again the fact is uh, is still evident that he has not played in two years so yeah I don't I don't know what you uh, expect of a guy you got to give him time to develop but when, when you've been out for two years um, no, no mention of Hawkins here of course uh, Georgie's not mentioned either although we think Georgie won't be back but um, what's your feeling about Hawkins I like Hawkins I like his upside I think uh, the fact that this past year was turns out to be a free year. Will benefit a guy like him. He got a chance to play some, maybe not as much as he'd like, but it was it was like a redshirt year that you could play in actually and get some experience. So I, I like his upside. I think he needs to get a little stronger, obviously. And do you think uh, is, what? Where do you think the possibility of Demonte Williams coming back? I don't know. I think it's fifty-fifty, and that sounds like a. You know, everything's fifty-fifty. But cop out. <laughs> well, I'm not <laughs> copping out. It's just I don't, I don't know what these guys are thinking from day to day. Yeah, I don't either. I I don't know where he would play professionally. I, he's not. He's got a game for college. I don't know if he has a game for for the pros. Offensively, he's really limited. And you got to shoot threes, but he can't get threes. Right. And you know, unless you're really tired of going to school, which could be the case, but. If you stop and think about it, okay, I'm not going to play in the NBA. There could be worse things than playing in Big Ten college basketball and, you know, f- for a free education and you eat okay and you, you've got some benefits there. If Armin Franklin is here and there's a chance he might be here. From Indiana. From Indiana. He would be in the starting lineup. That's my opinion. Yeah, but and, has he talked to Mike and, Woodson yet? And if Ty Ty Washington signs, I see Ty Ty at the guard spot next to Curbelo. That's me. Based on what I think I know, you know, and I don't know a lot, but I, I know he's a good player. Well, we do know that Kofi's still not showing up very well in mock drafts. Mock drafts, yeah. Not in the top 60 in what I looked at yesterday. So... And it doesn't go beyond that, by the way. I know. <laughs> <laughs> so if you're not in the top 60, you're not going to get drafted. Right. By the way, you see they're just going to have 20 rounds in baseball. I mean, if you're an amateur baseball player, Steve, 
if you're coming out now and you're a pretty good baseball player, where do you play? You got to make the you know that's that's twenty players for each team. Yeah, and the minor leagues. I are, mean, that's that's quite a few players. I mean, six hundred players, but, but but the minor leagues are down to almost nothing. I know that's my kind of. Everybody used to have yeah a half a dozen minor league affiliates yeah. or more. Yeah, if you, it's it's tough making that making that grade. I mean, if you're if you're a slow developer, <laughs> you may not get a chance to develop. Let's go back to basketball and. Uh, who do you think gets the North Carolina job? Oh, boy, I don't have any idea. Hubert they, Davis, is they've had a history of keeping things within the Carolina family, so to speak, mm-hmm. and he's been on the staff for six years after his playing career and on his broadcast career. He was on TV for a while and then went back into coaching. So I guess if they're looking that way, he'd be uh, an obvious choice. If they're looking all over, then it gets interesting. Well, yeah, I don't think somebody like Few is as as much as they'd like to have him. I don't. I don't think he's going to leave Gonzaga. He's got the world by the tail, and I just I, I read the list of possibilities, and I don't think that that anybody's coming out of the Stevens or anybody else is coming out of the NBA. I don't think, uh, but it's an awfully awfully good job. Is it? Is it the best job in the country? Is North Carolina the very best? Is Kentucky the best? Is Kansas the best? I mean, Kansas. North is, Carolina is certainly in that discussion, and those other two are as well. But as far as uh, the tradition, the university, <laughs> and I well, say look, this with tongue in cheek, the basketball players don't have to go to class. <laughs> that's right. Can't, they got to go to class now they're watching them. But, <laughs> but Kansas has got to be the best because they don't care if you cheat. They are going to support you anyway. They you don't know, care. I don't know this happened, and I, I'm sure it probably didn't, but I could almost in my mind when I heard about Bill Self's lifetime contract, he went, but uh, but uh, North Carolina's going to call me, <laughs> <laughs> or has called me. Well, can they pay more than 5.4 a year, five years For, guaranteed, rolling over Automatic rollover, yeah. Every year he's got five years. But it'll be interesting to see what, uh, what happens there. Texas got uh, their guy. In Chris Beard, Texas Tech job is open. I don't know if that's, that's a, a good job. That's not a bad job. So there's still They're some things They're in the Final Four there. two years ago. Yep. Loyola is open at least for the mm-hmm. moment. And uh, so that's the way things go in the college basketball world. And and the world of the wild, wild west with, with players, you may not like it. I don't like it. But I don't know what you do about it. I got the best one yet. Are you ready for this yep. out of the portal? Mm-hmm. Okay. A guy by the name of Jason Carter played two years at Ohio. <laughs> I heard this. Played two years at Xavier. Guess where he's going to play next year? He's going back to Ohio. He's going back to Ohio. <laughs> <laughs> there was another guy that started at VCU, went to Florida Gulf Coast, uh-huh. went to somewhere else, and now he's going back to VCU. <laughs> <laughs> So that, that that literally is the wild, wild west. And hopefully, uh, you know, there could still be some Illinois guys pop in that. You don't know what's going to happen yet with uh, with guys. And uh, this thing, almost four players per team across the country out of 350 teams, four players per team are going into the portal. <laughs> How do you keep track of it? It's going right at 1,200 right now. And that might be one and reason that uh, – that Roy Williams said, you know what, I've had enough of this. Well, yeah, I think that's why Lon, uh, Lon Kruger yeah. said the same thing. I mean, 
they, those guys have, have got it made in the business. They've made their living. They've made a, a lifetime's worth of money. They've made millions. They've got great homes. They've got more than one home. And, you know, why should they put themselves through that? Why would you want to have to start over every single year from scratch building a basketball team? Now, I mean, Kentucky's done it. Duke's done it. I mean, it's, it's being done, but there might come a point where a guy would just say, oh, you, can, you know, I don't have to do this anymore. Well, maybe There's he, no loyalty at all among the players. You just know you don't know what they're thinking. You don't. We don't know what Miller was thinking. We're out, you know fans are out there rooting for Miller and, and thinking you know he's here for at least three years, at least three years. And I don't know if he's got an NBA game really, maybe four years. But no, he's gone after one. So you and I maybe could uh, theoretically um, threaten to uh, enter a transfer media portal. And uh, but they probably say, "Go ahead, go." No, <laughs> See, that's that's what I said. I said to Rosso, "I'm I'm joining the party." He said, "Go right ahead." <laughs> See you later. <laughs> but then, then we could go and then maybe come back. <laughs> Actually, that's kind of what I did, wasn't it? <laughs> I retired and came back. I didn't officially enter the portal, but uh, anyway, it's nine twenty-eight. We're going to talk to Tom Michael, former Illini athlete and now the athletic director at EIU, about his new basketball coach, Marty Simmons. That'll be coming up next. We'll keep the phone lines open as well at 217-356-9397 on Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. Nine thirty, WDWS, Champaign-Urbana, Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. Lauren Tate, Steve Kelly with you until 11 We've got plenty of other sports activity coming your way on uh, the air today. Illinois volleyball at 1230, baseball at 5. A lot going on this time of year. 217-356-9397 is our phone number if you'd like to join us. We say good morning to our friend, longtime friend, Tom Michael, the athletic director at Eastern Illinois University. Tom, how are you this morning, my friend? I am excellent, Steve. Thanks for having me on. Good morning, Lauren. Good morning, Tom. How are you? Busy, uh, Excellent, busy mm-hmm. time for you. You've uh, hired your first basketball coach at uh, Eastern Illinois University. Uh, talk a little bit about uh, Marty Simmons, the uh, the process, and how that all came about. Yeah, we started uh, we started that uh, about four weeks ago when we when we made the decision to go in a different direction uh, with the leadership of the program and. And uh, it was just a couple days after after that announcement came out that uh, Marty and I had a chance to connect and um, certainly had some good conversations uh, throughout. Um, you know, we we had we had a really really good um, pool of candidates. Um, there was a lot of interest, and um, you know, we've I just you know feel blessed to to have a lot of relationships, a lot of contacts over you know, 30 years of playing and, and being being in administration now from guys I've played with, played against, um, that are in the coaching field, and then obviously all the all the great coaches that I've been able to be associated with when I was at Illinois and, and their staffs and just different contacts to be able to talk to people. And, and you know, the theme that, that continued to come out when when uh, I talked to individuals about Marty is, is just what an unbelievable basketball mind he is and how he can teach the game and develop players. And certainly that's important at all levels, but it's probably a bit more important here because we're not going to get the 
the five-star kid um, here at EIU, and and so we've got to find kids that that can really be developed into better players, and and then take advantage of that. And having a guy on the sideline that that you know can call a timeout late in the game, and you feel feel really confident uh, in his basketball knowledge that he can put a play together that can win you a game. And um, really, really excited about that piece. And you bring some name recognition, at least to basketball fans in the, in the Midwest, in the state of Illinois and Indiana as well. He played a couple of years at IU and then Evansville, then coached at Evansville, coached at SIU Edwardsville. So, and he had legendary almost, uh, I'd say not almost, but a legendary high school career at Lawrenceville. Well, that certainly certainly um, is is a plus for us here in Charleston too. He played super sectional games here in Lance Arena and and was here uh, for holiday tournament um, every year as well. So he's played a lot of games, scored a lot of points uh, in this gym here. So um, you know, from a from a community standpoint, um, you know, just the the reactions so far have been very very positive and. And our basketball program probably needed a shot there um, with that, too. And, and I think, um, you know, Marty's certainly going to be able to do that um, with his with his high school career that he had at Lawrenceville and winning 68 straight games back-to-back state championships. And, you know, for, for me, I was fortunate that, that my parents took us up to the state tournament, to the Class A state tournament uh, every year. And so I was able to – to see that happen with the Lawrenceville teams in, in 80, uh, 82 and 83 and, and then be fortunate enough to be able to win a state championship six years later in 89 with, with our high school team and, and things like that. And, you know, a lot of it has to, to be able to see, see those guys do it. And, and obviously they played with a ton of energy and enthusiasm um, when you win 68 in a row. And so, um, yeah, all that, I think, ties into what he can bring to EIU and to Charleston. Well, Tom, I'm going to switch you over to the portal business because right now the, the <laughs> mid-majors are really taking a hit where there's some of their top players are trying to move up, apparently. And, and of course, obviously, there are players moving down, moving sideways every every other way. But how do you see this, uh, this new uh, free market, as we call it, immediate eligibility, affecting the mid-majors like Eastern? Yeah, I, I, you know, I, I think personally, um, from a philosophical philosophical standpoint, I don't like it. Um, I don't, I don't think that it's good for for college athletics, um, generally speaking. Uh, however, as I've told our coaches, you know, um, my opinion doesn't matter on that because it's here, um, and and the one time. The one-time transfer being eligible immediately, even though that legislation hasn't officially passed. I mean, it's it's on the cusp of doing that here. I think in the next few weeks. Um, so, that being said, you know, it's 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 about the relationships that that you have to build in the recruiting process. You have to do a great job of making sure that people want to be at your institution. Um, you've got to continue to have those relationships um, as you go through it. But but undoubtedly. You know, uh, we've got a kid in our league um, at Moorhead State, um, you know, and I don't, I don't have any idea if he's, if he's in the portal or not, but he's a freshman and, and uh, end up being MVP of our conference tournament when Moorhead State beat Belmont. And, and I'm quite certain that everybody certainly is aware of him. And, um, you know, those things are going to take place. Um, but 
Lauren, what what we have to what we have to do is this process is here, so we've got to figure out a way to use it to our advantage as well. And and um, you know, I I think the part that that concerns me about this process overall is I don't know what that number is. It's probably probably up to 1,200 now just for men's basketball. But last year there were over 200 kids that that put their names in the portal and didn't end up in a, at a Division One institution. Hmm. And and that's the part I think that the NCA has to take a look at and understand because I, I suspect that that number is going to be larger this year. And well, so well, it, I, let me cut in on you. It has to be larger because you got all these seniors returning for a fifth year, super seniors. That's right. That's right. Yep. That's there's no question about it. And and so you know what it, it's fine that the NCA thinks that it's 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 great to have have a kid be able to go and play somewhere um, immediately. But when are we going to take a look at these kids that think that it's greener someplace else? They put their name in the portal, you know, and we're going to go recruit with that scholarship once they put their name in the portal. They're not going to come back here. Um, and and then, you know, there's obviously a large number of those kids that don't end up going somewhere. So, you know, it's it's uh, it's certainly not a, a, a good system, and it, and it has a lot of room to, for improvement and and hopefully there's not too many casualties before some, some improvement can be made. Well, do you see uh, some coaches willingly taking players back? I mean, would you be supportive of taking a player back after he'd gone into the portal if he wanted to return? Uh, you know, I think it would probably be case by case, um, quite frankly. Um, you know, we're going to when – they, when they put their name in the portal, we're going to go out and try to find somebody. I, I mean, there might be um, an occasion or so when – when you um, when you hang on to that scholarship, um, but you know that's also a tough dynamic from a team perspective. When the kid says, you know, hey, I don't I don't think I want to be here anymore, and then um, walking into that locker room and saying, oh, by the way, nothing was better than than what I had here, so I decided to come back. Um, you know, chemistry and culture is is I think a huge component to have successful teams, and I think that's a that's a tough place to be in. I wouldn't say that we wouldn't ever do it, but I think it, it, it certainly makes it challenging. What is uh, Marty Simmons thinking about uh, staff? Have you had that conversation with him yet? Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, we've talked about that quite a bit. Actually, Marty and I um, were in Indianapolis last night for dinner with some with some basketball alums, and, and uh, so we had a lot of time in the, in the car to to talk and and I think he's he's getting some of those things in place. Um, I think we'll have a, we'll have somebody in place this week and and then uh, he'll get one more in place I think pretty quickly. And then I think you know that that latching position um, you know we'll see how that comes together. But I don't know that he's going to be quite uh, as in a rush for that one. If it works out quickly, that's great. If if not, I think he's he wants to make sure he he fills that with with the best guy he can to compliment uh the other folks so yeah we're getting we're getting close and and i suspect that next week like i said i think we'll we'll have um we'll have somebody on board pretty quickly tom what are what are your thoughts about fan attendance at this point and going forward uh yeah you know we were we were able to get 50 family members for the, our last four home games of of basketball and then you know for volleyball we were able to do that for for almost the all of our home season football. We're we're at about sixteen percent. Just how we're social distancing. Uh, we've got a game actually at one o'clock today, and then we've got one more home game next week. So 
Um, we're probably not going to adjust those numbers too much um, for this for the last game next weekend. Um, you know, we've got we've got baseball and and softball going on, and and um, you know we're we're making sure that folks are social distanced in our in our stands for softball. We've opened up the outfield um, so people can can kind of uh, spread out uh, on the outfield fence to to watch. Um, you know, we're trying to get there in the safest manner possible. I think um, I think there's there's um, uh, some at least positive direction with with more and more vaccines being available for people um, that will hopefully allow that. But um, you know, we've we've been fortunate here. Um, in athletics um, that, that we've been able to have the shield testing up here um, in in Charleston um, that that obviously was developed at the U of I and and so that's been very helpful for us this semester um, to make those things work and so I think we've we've done a pretty good job of monitoring those things and, and keeping everybody as certainly as safe as we possibly can. Another minute or two with Tom Michael, the AD at EIU. How's spring football gone? You mentioned that, and you get, there's a game today. Is it uh, is it uh, run pretty smoothly? Uh, yeah, yeah. You know, it, it it has, and and we test our football team twice a week, and and um, Adam Cushing is is continuing to develop his program, and for us, um, you know, the spring season is is been valuable in in a lot of ways. Uh, you know, when he came on board. Um, you know, it was it was a whole new learning process from a lot of different perspectives. And this spring, um, even though we've just won the one ball game, um, we've really been in all but our our opener against SEMO. Um, and um, you know, the competitive piece is really there. Uh, we've got 75 freshmen and sophomores on the team, so we're extremely young. And and that's what that's what we really feel these these seven ball games that that we're playing here in the spring is is really going to be beneficial for us uh, as we as we prepare them for the fall again. So, um, you know, we're pleased um, with the progress that we're making. Um, you know, we've got to we've got to learn how to win games, but a lot of that is youth that we have, and and you grow up a lot a lot quicker uh, when you're in the trenches and and you're playing. Um, real games at live speed and and everything like that. So we've been we've been pleased um, so far with the spring. Do you see any potential downside to that to playing seven games in the spring and then turning around and playing uh, what you hope is a full schedule in the fall? Yeah, I mean, I, I think there's there's certainly a concern uh, with that, Steve, because it's it's really never been done, and um, so so the concern for for the the grind that it puts on those young men's bodies is is certainly something that that Adam and I talk about a lot and I think what what this has done uh it's it's really been able for for our coaching staff specifically to look at how we really train the guys and and I think that that the the one positive um might be the only positive um that's come from the pandemic and how these things have had to change uh, is from the from the perspective of how we train and and how we practice uh, our football student athletes and and we haven't been able just to you know get them in there and 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 just pound the crap out of them um, you know so we've been very very conscientious of of how we practice the contact the amount of that that's taking place uh, keeping in mind that you know we're going to be done in a week and then we give them 30 days off and and what they're going to be doing this summer. And then, you know, we're, we play uh, uh, a week zero game 
uh, in the fall, which, you know, maybe not isn't, isn't ideal, but, but we're going to play Indiana State, I think, on August 28th. So we'll be starting practice at the end of J- uh, July. And, you know, so we're monitoring all of those things to make sure that, that their health and welfare is certainly foremost about how much pounding their body um, can take. There's got to be, you know, trying to find that sweet spot. we got to get them ready to play, but at the same time, we don't have to just beat them into the ground like maybe maybe that football practices have, have been done in the past at times. Hey, Tom, always good to catch up with you. We were excited to hear your uh, decision on the head coach, uh, Marty Simmons. We'll be watching closely there and look forward to talking to you again sometime in the future. Always appreciate you guys having me on. Uh, have a great weekend. Happy Easter to y'all. Thanks, Same to Tom. you. Talk Tom to you Michael, later. the athletic director at EIU. If you want to follow him on Twitter, his Twitter address is at TomMichael32. 9.45 is the time. We'll take a break and be back with more Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk after this. Stay with us. Moving up on 9.48, Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. Steve Kelly, Lauren Tate with you until 11 o'clock. Phone line is open, 217-356-9397. Going to talk some more basketball. We began the show talking about the transfer portal and Adam Miller's addition to that on Thursday. We can talk more about that. And high school recruiting, uh, portal recruiting and such. Our uh, good friend Brad Sturdy from Orange and Blue News is with us at uh, some kind of AAU event up in Wisconsin. Right, Bradley? Yeah, it's the NY2LA Swish and Dish. It's um, got a lot of teams. All the most of the top teams from uh, Chicago area up here, along with some teams from Wisconsin, Ohio, and um, you know around there. So yeah, it's a high level talent here. So it's been a lot of fun to kind of first time I've been back in the gym in a in a in a um, kind of a scouting capacity for a year. So it's pretty good. Let's talk about the Adam Miller news on Thursday. Were you uh, like Lauren and I a bit uh, surprised, caught off guard by that? Yeah, I was. I mean, I mean, who wouldn't want to start on a top five team all year and and uh, you know feel like you were set up, set to step into a bigger role the following year because a couple of the guys uh, were leaving. So I, I think that would it was kind of odd, um, to be honest. Um, so you know, and even his you know his postseason some of his social media activity postseason was kind of leading for next year and talking about what he's going to do. So. Yeah, I mean, I think it caught a lot of people off guard. I, I think that, you know, because I think he's a, he's a quality player. Um, you know, I'm not probably, I'm not, I think there are a lot of guys with the, this year, if you're going to lose a guy, this is the year to do it because there's a bajillion guys out there in the transfer portal or in the, um, you know, in high school recruiting are still uncommitted too. So there's a lot of guys out there. Well, with that in mind, what do you uh, got? Any predictions on what uh, Brad Underwood and staff might do, and which way they'll focus? Well, I don't think there's any question they want to bring in. Um, they're going to want to bring in another, you know, guard or two or three um, right now, uh, as soon as possible. And they're also looking to bring in um, some front court, a lot of front court help. Um, so I mean, they have a lot of openings. I, I, I could see them giving in out another four to five scholarships, depending on what happens. So. There's a lot of guys available. I think that, you know, they, the Indiana transfer, Armand Franklin, was a kid that they um, have kind of targeted in this process. And so they like him because of his size, you know, and the ability to shoot the ball from three. 
Um, and he's a very good defender, too. So you add those things together, and, and they thought he would be a really good fit. Um, they've, you know, reached out to a ton of big guys um, in the transfer portal, including a Florida center by the name of Omar Payne. He's kind of a 5'4". He can play a little 4'2". Athletic 6'10 kid. Um, they had a Zoom with. I mean, Trey Mitchell from UMass is another big kid that they would love to get. Um, he's a, you know, they recruited him hard when he was in high school. Um, he's a, he had like, I think he averaged 17 and 8 this year at UMass. Um, then they, you know, and then in the high school ranks, there's still a number of guys. Mr. Basketball in Wisconsin, Brandon Podzimski, who is a kid that they love. He can score at all three levels. He's six foot six. Um, lefty just does everything well. Great shooter and just a tremendous scorer. And then you add in, um, they still obviously the, and kind of the gold prize, I guess, or gold standard or whatever, would be Ty Ty Washington from Compass Prep in Arizona, who we just saw, you know, put on a show this week at the Geico Nationals against the best players in the country. So those are – he's a 6'4 point guard who does a little bit of everything. He's uh can play on the ball, off the ball, just does everything. He's a talented kid. So there's a ton of guys out there still that they are, you know, high on that they feel like they have a shot at and – We'll kind of see. And, of course, the transfer portal's not done either. There are a lot more guys going in and out um, every day. So um, I would I would say that Illinois is going to have some more openings too. I feel like there are going to be some other guys that are going to, um, you know, decide to leave um, as well. Well, uh, I, I wanted to ask you a little bit more about uh, Ty Ty Washington because uh, am I correct? Uh, they can sign on the uh, uh, 14th of April. Is that correct? Ten days from now? Yes, that's the first day they could sign. That's correct. Is, yep. uh, is he planning to sign immediately, as far as you know? Um, they, the last thing I was told was, you know, pretty quickly um, leading up to that date. So, but, you know, the thing about that is that's kind of been a process. Remember, he was originally committed to – you know, Creighton, um, Josh Creighton over Illinois. So he's kind of, he wants to make sure he goes through the process. Season just ended on, um, you know, yesterday, actually, when they lost to Montverde. So I think that now he's, you know, going to sit down and they're going to get home and talk about it over uh, the next few days, and then we'll see where it goes. But uh, it could be quickly. Um, but, you know, in this recruiting thing, it also wouldn't shock me if it's, we kind of see what happens in the portal and see where guys go before he makes a decision. Yeah, well, yeah, that's what I'd want to do. If I was a number one guy, I'd want to make sure that I'm not walking in. Because that's what Burnett did. I mean, when he went to Texas Tech, he thought he was going to to play. Yep. And the next thing you know, he's behind somebody. And now he's uh, he's uh, he's moving out. I guess he's going to Alabama, huh? Is that what you hear? That's what it sounds like. Uh, it sounds like Damari's going to choose there. Um, they've really done a good job of, um, I guess, you know, selling him. Um uh, you know, they've got some kids who are probably going to leave, it sounds like, so he'll have an opening. You know, it, it is what it is. It's, you know, you're a lot of these guys are unhappy at different places and different times. And, you know, once you move, then you get the one-time transfer, and then you got to figure it out. So I don't know if the grass is always greener, but we'll find out. Visiting with Brad Sturdy, who's at an AAU event up in Wisconsin. Uh, tell us about uh, a couple of guys that you've seen that we might be interested in hearing about. Yeah, no, um, there's a kid um, from the McIverin Fire 16U team. His name is uh, Javante or J.J. Taylor, 6'7". Um, he was, two years ago, he was about 5'10", so he played guard. Now he's 6'7". Um, he still may grow. 
He is a legit top 10 player in the country in the class of 2023. He goes to Kenwood, plays for Mike Irvin there. Um, just a dynamic athlete, dynamic player. He's uh, he's fantastic. He put on a show yesterday. Um, really, really was was awesome. He and he said he loves Illinois, so that's a good thing early on. Um, obviously, that's going to be a, a much longer process than than now. He's not going to be an early commitment or anything. And then two kids that Illinois just offered uh, this week: a kid named Donalo uh, Jovanovic, who was a six-seven um, wing, you know, played three-four. He handles the ball well, shoots it well, lefty. Um, they, they got a lot of lefties on the radar here, I guess. We like left-handers. So, he's, but he's able to he, he's able to post up. He's able to hit shots and uh, shots from the perimeter. He can put the ball on the floor. He also is good in transition. He's a w- very good defender too. Long, um, uses that length defensively. He's a tough kid. Um, plays hard. So I really liked him. And then there's a guy on his team who's really blowing up. Um, we have him currently ranked at like you know hundredth and the hundred ninth in the country, and I'm telling you, if if you watched him yesterday, he looked like a five star kid. His name's Seth Trimble. Illinois offered him after the games yesterday. Um, six foot three, explosive. You know, just uh, you can't stay in front of the kid. Um, he makes plays. Actually, watching his highlight reel, and I'm not saying he's this good because this guy turned out good. It was like watching a Derrick Rose highlight reel in high school. I mean, with his athleticism. Now, does he have the same, you know, game that Derrick Rose has? Probably not yet. But, but it was just his athleticism stood out yesterday, and he just made plays, and um, it was it was really fun to watch. Uh, do you see any possibility? Uh, we got a call on this earlier that losing uh, Miller, having Miller leave, would hurt Illinois with the McIrvin fire. Do you, and you mentioned. You know, there's an Irvin coaching at uh, home at Kenwood, which is uh, where Taylor is. Uh, what 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 are your thoughts on that? I I don't think. I mean, here's the thing. Every there's transfers coming out of every program. I mean, the fire have have guys transferring all over, just like every other AAU program does. So, a lot of times we're so Illinois centric that we don't realize what's going on in the whole landscape of college basketball. So, yeah, I mean. I, I think it obviously there's a, a maybe mend that bridge, but I think the way that Illinois handled it was was excellent. Just saying, hey, you know, we he started the entire year, had his opportunity, and it didn't work out, but it is what it is. And, and good luck, and hope you have a you know great career. I, I think that that's the way you got to handle it, and uh, and go from there. So I I, mean, I I think obviously you you try and build up. You know, you'd love everybody to be happy all the time, but it's just not realistic. So there's going to be times when you know you don't don't agree with this guy or that guy, but most of these guys, um, if the kid wants to go there, and they're going to make it happen, make find a way for it to happen, or they're also not going to. It's more like telling you, you know, here's a, here's the options you have. You make a decision. It's more you have to make sure that they're not just blackballing you, and, and that that's happened to a couple of our coaches previously, where you know they were kind of outside looking in on certain AAU programs, and and I don't think that's the way it is right now with the. Um, with either fire, mean streets, or any of the wolves, any of these high um, Chicago area AAU teams. Hey, Brad, we always enjoy talking basketball with you. We'll do it again soon. We'll let you get back inside there to see some more. But uh, thanks for stepping out and taking some time with us. No problem. Thanks for having me, guys. Appreciate it. You bet. Brad Sturdy from Orange and Blue News, Illinois.rivals. Dot com is where you'll find the work of uh, Mr. Brad Sturdy. Also, he's involved in IlliniGuys.com as well. 9.58, we'll take our break at the top of the hour and be back with hour number two of Illini Pella, Saturday Sports Talk 
after this. Stay with us. It's the second hour of Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. Join the program by calling 217-356-9397 or send a text to the Castle Heating and Cooling text line 217-351-5357. Here again are your hosts, Lauren Tate and Steve Kelly. Welcome back, everybody. Hour number two, Will Leach from MLB.com uh, joins us on the telephone at an airport somewhere. Good morning, Will. How are you? Um, good morning. I'm well. You know, I got to tell you, uh, the airport, it's the first time I've been on a flight in a year. Uh, there, it doesn't really seem like anything's changed. People are traveling. <laughs> There's no question about that. The airports are packed right now. So maybe they, I think it's probably a good sign. Well, you let us know when you need to step away, and uh, we'll let you do that, certainly. <laughs> um, you're not entering the transfer portal, are you? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, is that what they've named the international terminal now? Constantly. Listen, you know, I'm just exploring my options. Let's just put it that way. That's a good way to do it. Uh, Major League Baseball season underway. I know you're excited about that. Yeah, certainly. You know, that, I was actually pretty excited about a piece for movie.com. The first day, you know, obviously we're, we're, we're great to see baseball back, but to, to, the first day really had a lot of exciting things. But for me, just seeing fans back, it was really kind of remarkable how much of a difference, a kind of emotional difference it meant uh, watching those games, you know, just to hear. I know it's uh, reduced capacity, but just hearing fans and, and hearing people at Yankee Stadium call the bleacher creatures and hearing the people at Wrigley, it really made a massive difference. It, really, it started to feel, uh, last year I'm glad they played, but it certainly felt a lot more like baseball again. Well, I, uh, Will, I just wanted to uh, get started with the Cardinals a little bit and what do you see? Uh, I was so concerned about the outfield. Now, is uh, is it starting to come around a little better, you think, with these young guys? For me, Carl, Carlson is not a major concern for the Cardinals. That guy has, is a top-tier prospect, and I think you know, they, they're, they're, they're worried about some guys. They're not worried about Carlson. The, the issue really is – you know, who fills that right field spot? Justin Williams was the first guy, made a good play in the, in the field, and actually has like a, a lot of thunder in his bat, but is obviously pretty unproven. And Tyler O'Neill, you know, I mean, Tyler, if you hang a fast, if you hang a curveball to Tyler O'Neill, he's going to be able to hit a home run. So we saw that on opening day. The question is whether he can avoid having those stretches where he goes for 0 for 17 with 13 strikeouts. And uh, that's the question, you know, and I still, you know, the, the worry with the Cardinals is not so much that the outfield, those young outfielders aren't going to come through as much as if they don't come through, will the Cardinals make the sort of move that the a contender makes in that regard? There's going to be guys out there uh, by, later this year. I think Joey Gallo is like a perfect fit for the Cardinals in a lot of ways. He's a freezing at the end of this year. They wouldn't have to give up a lot to get him. Uh, and he fills like, an obvious spot in right field. The question is whether they're going to be willing to make a trade like that if they're still in contention. And uh, I know they made the Arenado trade, but they kind of got a free Arenado for this year. I think a lot of that may depend on, frankly, a lot of that may depend on how many fans there are in the stands in two months and how much money they're able to bring in. There's not a lot of teams that rely more on gate revenue than the Cardinals do. So I think that'll make a big difference. But I, I think the, 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 the major question I think a lot of people have I feel like you can find outfielders there. To me, the question is whether whether you got enough pitching and if you can hold off, if if Gant can hold up and Ponce de Leon can hang up on the backside. Mm-hmm. So a lot of this was counting on Flaherty being an ace, and we had we certainly did not see that in Game One. Yeah, that, that's for sure. Well, have you had any change of uh, mind about the threesome of Milwaukee Cubs and Cardinals in terms of the Central Division? Which way are you leaning? Yeah, sure. I think the Brewers and the Cardinals are a little bit of a step ahead. I'll say that uh, I know the Cubs 
the Cubs were discouraging on opening day the way they've been discouraging all winter. <laughs> I think that there's no question. There's there's an undeniable sense that like of slumped shoulders with that team on opening day. Now, you know, last year they're supposed to be fun with them, right? Like, okay, it's Bryant and Rizzo and Baez, and it's all you know, it's all a uh, uh, the last ride. You know, we're going to do this last ride, but that that team did not have the vibe of a team that was making a last ride on opening day. It's just opening day, but uh, there's not a lot of joy in that clubhouse. It certainly doesn't look like it. Talking to Will Leach, I want to take you back to basketball a little bit real quick before we run out of time with you. And before the NCAA basketball tournament, you had uh, come up with a list of the um, tournament uh, losses that you had watched all since uh, 1983 <laughs> and the, the most disappointing. And I wonder where Loyola, the <laughs> loss to Loyola, might move in the list. Is it top five? Well, it's it's not on the list because I've already forgotten about it. What game <laughs> are you even talking about? I'm not even sure what you're referring to. Uh, yeah, you know, I would argue on one hand, obviously with the expectations to this for this team, if it's obviously a hard thing to go through. I would argue it actually felt a little bit easier just because, boy, they were just so thoroughly beaten. <laughs> like, it's not like there's a, there's a Higgins rebound or there's a Luther head three or we could yell at Sean May about something. They got fully kind of wiped out. It might have helped a little bit if Loyola would have gone a little farther. Uh, but certainly, the, the, you know, the real question is, and I think you see this a lot, one of the reasons that 2005 hurts more now, it hurt obviously in the moment, but it hurt more because it really did feel like the end of something. Like, obviously, we were able to get back to the tournament last year, but they haven't been back to the Sweet 16 since. As Illinois fans, we can see how that was a peak that we receded from. I think where this game lands will ultimately depend on, okay, so what does happen with Illinois next? What ha- like, like is, is that, uh, do we look back and think, Wow, that was the best team we ever had, and the closest we were ever going to get. Or do, or is that a frustrating bump in the road in route to something really good happening? I think that will will be where where it lands. The individual game, I will confess, halfway through the first half, I was like, "Oh wow, I don't think Illinois is going to win this game," and I haven't had that feeling, uh, you know, all year. You know, I did that game really just felt like it was, you know, I O like everybody loved I O. Obviously, it's so uh, uh, so big for Illinois, but. Just had a rough game, and they just they couldn't make the adjustments, and it really it felt like like it, it didn't feel like a heartbreaker. It just felt like a team that just that just deserved to lose and did. I got in a discussion with a guy about uh, just where Illinois was from the moment Io got hurt because they played so well with Corbello leading the team, and kind of it kind of against Michigan. I'm thinking, and 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 it seemed like it became quote Corbello's team quote, and and I don't know that Io ever seemed to to be in control of things the way he was before he got hurt. Your thoughts on that? Do you think, you think there's anything to that, that just the, the, uh, the, just the culture of the team changed? You know, it's like at the time, I think we were excited about it, right? It was the idea of like, okay, now we see what can happen mm-hmm. when uh, they, they've added this new thing. Ironically enough, one of the people I was most excited about, Corbella was one, but I thought Miller uh, actually took a little bit more assertiveness with Io out too. So uh, yeah, I think that's I, I think there's an element of truth to that though, because it does feel like even, like Io obviously had some big moments in the Big Ten tournament, but he was not the reason they won the Big Ten tournament. You know, I think that and, and in a lot of ways, you know, you looked at and listen, I, there's no no way Illinois is where they are if not Io hasn't been able to do anything. But I think you're right. I think that he was never quite entirely comfortable. The question is, is okay, if it's Curbelo's team now, and I think it pretty clearly is, no matter kind of what happens with the transfer portal, assuming Curbelo doesn't leave, that uh, it's Curbelo's team moving forward. The question is, is okay, well, now 
are we ready to have the guy? Like one of the things that was great about Io is he kind of stopped making turnovers a lot of that during during the, uh, the kind of late in the year before his injury. Uh, Curbelo now, if it's his team, a lot of those mistakes that we feel like, well, he's just going to take the good with the bad. Uh, that that's great, but uh, if he's the, your lead guard and the guy you're counting on, those mistakes become a little bit more hairy. Another minute or two with Will Leach. Are you fortunate enough to uh, to be in Augusta next week to uh, cover the Masters? I, I won't be in Augusta. I won't be in Augusta, but uh, but I can confirm that it, that no one is. It's definitely still happening in Augusta. They have not <laughs> pulled it out of Georgia. Do not worry about that. that they, the the world will end before they pull that thing out of, out of Georgia. So I won't be there. But you know, I can I can confirm that the weather will be ready for it. And what's your thought about Atlanta losing the All Star game based on the uh, equal voting concerns? Yeah, I would say that, like, I, I understand that this feels like Major League Baseball making a big political decision. I think it's clear that whatever decision they made was going to be a political decision. And I think the way that like, they, they knew, knew whatever happened, they were going to lose something. And, uh, you know, I think what they would have preferred would be able to, A, have this law not pass. But more to the point, I don't think they're doing this because of the law. I think they're doing this because, you know, if they had not made this move, they would have players and sponsors furious at them. And if they did make this move, they'll have Fox News furious at them. They mm-hmm. made that decision, what was more important to their bottom line, and I think they chose their sponsors and their players. And I think uh, uh, we, we can argue, but I do not think this is suddenly Rob Manford being like, I am so eager to get involved in politics. I can't wait to make this league really woke. Like, I don't think that's, I just, I don't think that's something that Rob Manford really feels or, or baseball really. Like, baseball is a corporation like everybody else. They don't want to get involved in this any more than they have to. But they kind of, it's just kind of their bad luck that the All-Star game happened to be in Atlanta this year. Uh, but, and, and listen, we, I, I, I find it strange to blame Rob Manfred or to, to blame, you know, uh, Stacey Abrams or Joe Biden. Like, this is the, the, if that law was not passed, the All-Star game would be happening right now. So we can argue whether or not it was right for baseball to do that. But that was the incident that made it happen, not uh, Rob Manfred suddenly deciding he's woke. Uh, how are you stand with your uh, flight right now? Are you, do you need to go? I've got, I've got, I've got, I've got, I got a couple more minutes if you'll have me. Okay. Any particular subject you want to talk about? Anything that uh, you're writing about that we don't know? Yeah, you know, I will say if you'll forgive me, uh, if I may have a moment of self promotion. Yeah. I've got a book coming out next month, and I don't know if everybody saw. I'm gonna, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna give myself a little love here because I can't believe this happened. Stephen King actually tweeted out how much he loved it. He called it a fantastic novel, which mm. really kind of blew my mind because I, 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 like I think like a lot of people, uh, snuck out my parents' copies of The Dead Zone and The Long Walk and read them while, while I was in, supposed to be sleeping as a kid. So to, to have Stephen King, of all people, uh, uh, shout out my book, which is called How Lucky, Pre-Order Everywhere. Uh, but uh, it is, uh, uh, was a pretty exciting thing that happened this week. Stephen King was, is obviously is this, one of the greatest American novels. Is this fiction like like? my columns is it fiction <laughs> it is <laughs> it's oh please it's not fantastical lauren like it's still has to exist. <laughs> not like your stuff uh but uh yeah it, it, it is it is fiction it is fiction uh it's a novel about a boy about a 26 year old man with a, uh, with a with a physical disability who uh, witnesses a crime and has to uh has to uh, uh, figure out what happened and uh, kind of deal with kind of his own limitations so is there a part, it's also kind of funny is there a part for me in the movie there is a part for you in the movie. You play you play Stephen King. I don't, I don't know how I, I didn't even know he was in it. But uh, yeah, there, there, I'll see what I can do. I'll see what I can do. I will I will push hard. It's going to be you or Eastwood. 
So I'm not <laughs> sure which one, uh, who's, who's going to get the part. I, I would take you, to be entirely honest. <laughs> the book is called How Lucky, and it comes out when? Uh, May 11th. May 11th. They're available pre-order now. Uh, the, the character, a lot of it takes place in central Illinois, where I'm from, up in Mattoon. Uh, Eastern Illinois, the main one of the main characters is a professor at Eastern Illinois, so it, uh, obviously I've got, got a lot of stuff from home in there, too. How do you possibly have time to write a book when you're writing every, and doing all this other work? <laughs> That's a, the, the great thing about writing a book is you just write a little bit of the day, a little bit of the day, and then one day you look up, you're like, whoa, this thing's as long as a book. <laughs> it, just kind of, it just kind of sneaks up on you at one point. So this, this is, I will say this is my fifth book. But it's my first one in 10 years. And what, why has it been 10 years? Because I had children in those 10 years. Okay. And it's amazing how much that slows you down. So, uh, so now, now, they're bit, now if, I, if I put them in a room, I know they're not going to set the place on fire. So that gave me a little bit more time to be able to write one of these things. Hey, Will, we appreciate your time. Uh, tell the airlines thanks for holding the plane for you. Oh, please. It's, it's my, honestly, the way I, I really thought I was going to be here and this was going to feel like a ghost town. People are out traveling, so I guess that's good. I feel like there's, there's a lot of reason for optimism and a lot of things. Well, and thank you for not making me uh, talk anymore about Adam Miller in the portal because <laughs> I'm not. I haven't quite processed that yet, to be entirely honest. They're well, go- they're going to get players as good as Miller immediately. I'm telling you, this thing is yeah. this. What's happening right now is is has never been like this ever. At this time of year, there's this players coming left and right. I I think I really it makes you yeah. I think they're going to get Franklin from Indiana, frankly. I think he, and he's a better player. It, it does make you feel better to look at Indiana and list of people in the quarter. You're like, oh, so is there a Fife brother you left that can play for them? <laughs> There's nobody on that team anymore. So, uh, yeah, certainly I, I said it was Miller, but uh, he is just one, and that's a position where you're right. There's a lot of options. Huge story in Indiana about Trace, uh, uh, Trace uh, Jackson Davis returning, and the reason it's a big story is that he was he was leaving? <laughs> I mean, he, he wasn't in the portal, but everybody knew that that he was uh, scouting around to uh, for other with other teams and, and calling a number of different. You you can make contacts uh, as a player without being in the portal, obviously. And he was doing that. And now that uh, Woodson has talked him into returning, that is a big story for them because he is their number one guy. Well, that, that, but if everyone else is gone, <laughs> I think Franklin. I think you're right about Franklin. I think Franklin makes a lot of sense for Illinois. And the the frustrating thing with Miller, uh, just to close, is you know it did feel like it was all kind of set up for him next year. Like it, I understand there may have been some frustration for him to that, that he didn't know Iowa was going to come back. And remember, you know he was also slow to sign for a long time. But it feels like if he made it through this year, which I thought he started every game for crying out loud, he was he was in a good position for for, for next year. Uh, but uh, I think there's a lot of options out there, and frankly, uh, if Curbelo, as long as Curbelo stays, uh, I feel like there's a lot of good stuff happening for this team. Hey, Will, thanks again. We'll talk to you again soon. Of course, my pleasure. Have a great weekend. Thanks, Will. You bet. That's Will Leach with us. That book again is called How Lucky. You can pre-order it now, as he says. How lucky, huh? It is 1016, Illini Pella, Saturday Sports Talk here on DWS. And if you're looking for new or replacement windows or doors, how about the Illini Pella Sports Talk showroom at 1001 North Country Fair Drive in Champaign? They've got products uh, online there and in person. Check them out. Discover the beauty of wood windows, the ease of the the between-the-glass blinds or the durability of fiberglass entry doors. The Pella experts know all about what type of window or door might work for your unique situation. 
Working with the folks there is an easy process from start to finish. They'll help you along the way from the shopping part to the installation details as well. Learn more about the styles, materials, and options available at the Pella Window team. Their knowledge and experience will help you find the perfect Pella product for your project. Pellaofchampagne.com is the website. Their phone number is 356-6474. Their Monday through Friday hours are 8 to 5, Saturday hours by appointment. Illini Pella, windows and doors. 1017, we'll take a break and be back with more Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk after this. Moving up on 1020, I call it Saturday Sports Talk. Phone line open right now for the next few minutes. If you'd like to jump in, 217-356-9397 is the number. Thanks to Will Leach for squeezing us in in the middle of his travel schedule. Tom Ackerman from KMOX in St. Louis will join us at 1030 to talk more baseball, which is underway. The Cardinals and the Reds. This afternoon at 310 in Cincinnati. Cardinals have another series yet before the they play yeah. at home. Six games on the road. Yep. They, At least so, it's warming up a little bit, sounds huh? Sounds like a country song. Six days on the road. <laughs> I'm going to make it home tonight. Going to make it home tonight with a win, you hope. The Pirates and Cubs play at 120 at Wrigley. And the White Sox and Angels again tonight out west in the, where the White Sox won 12-8. to Last night, so those two teams have split the uh, first couple ball games there. We had a text question earlier in the show. When was the last time the Big Ten did not have a team in the Final Four? Hadn't been that long ago. It just might seem like it. The last time the Big Ten won an NCAA championship was 2000. 2000. Yeah. Michigan State. Mm-hmm. But in 2017, there was not a Big Ten in the Final Four. 2016, there was not. Then for several years, there were. Then you go back to 2011, and there was not. So there's, it's, it's happened but it seems like a Big Ten team is is there most of the time, and certainly not uh, not this year. Michigan got close, but that was no cigar, as they say. Let's go to the phones. And Marty is with us from Carolina. What do you say, Marty? Morning, Steve. Morning, Lauren. Morning. How are you guys doing today? So good. far, so good. Well, I hardly deign to take umbrage with a Hall of Famer. Look out. However, in this case, I feel I must. (laughs) When you say that the best job in the country is Kansas because they don't care if you cheat, (laughs) I feel that you're forgetting a little school in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, that that spent millions of dollars on lawyers in order to keep national titles that they were well aware that they cheated. No. So I think they're right up there with Kansas. Yeah. Well, I, we were we were debating whether North Carolina was the best. I mean, that was the original question. The is best North, job. Is, is, yeah, North, is North Carolina the best job? And I, I just simply said, yeah. Well, Kansas is right there, and of course Kentucky's right there. But I don't I don't yeah. think there's anybody close to those three. I mean, Duke would be the next, but but Duke is built all around one guy, Shashevsky. And yeah. and yes, uh, that's not true of Kentucky, and that's not true of Kansas, and that's not true of, of North Carolina. I mean, North Carolina is yeah, going to be a good forever. This. Oh yeah, I, I hate to say this, but North Carolina might might just be a better job, only because it's a great area to live in mm-hmm. and a great area to recruit to. Although I I'll agree that Lexington's nice and all that, but uh, 
it is quite an operation, but they don't care if you cheat either as long as you win more. I'm sure They're of that. that. Yeah. I, I just hey, uh, I just think that when when Bill when Bill Self left Illinois for for Kansas, he could he had two major thoughts. I'm sure one, he can get players in far more easily in Kansas. You can get players oh, yeah. in from an academic standpoint. You can get them in that you might not be able to get in in Champaign. And the other thing was that. They're, a, they're basketball nuts to the point of and, – and they're kind of more isolated out there. I mean, they've been cheating for years and yep. years and years, all the way yes. back to, to Wilt Chamberlain. I mean, Jerry Colangelo oh, yeah. was there, and I talked to Jerry. He played with, with Wilt one year, and he knew – you know, they all knew that Wilt was being paid. I mean, it was no secret. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. And at, at North Carolina, uh, trust me, I don't know if they've gone that far in the past, but they have tough admission standards. A lot of kids here in North Carolina can't get into North Carolina because they have tough admission standards. But they don't have tough admission standards to get basketball players in, <laughs> and they never have. Well, you got to tell oh, those well. other students they need a forty-six inch vertical jump, then they can uh, they can get yeah, in. That's true. That's true. Hey, uh, I'm tempted to call back in. I don't know if you guys have rules when Ackerman comes on, but. Uh, uh, I'm going to just about bet that the Cardinals aren't going to average 11 runs a game this year. <laughs> I don't I think, think not. So. I think not. Uh, I agree with Will Leach that uh, I'm not worried about Carlson. He has a good pedigree. Coach's son, he's been good everywhere he comes. I'm still waiting to see if O'Neill's spring training was just a, a blip or if he can keep it up. And right field's still a question mark, and I'm – praying that Jock Peterson, who I mentioned to you guys, I wish we'd gone after. Mm-hmm. I'm praying that he doesn't light it up like he did in spring training. So, uh, anyway, I'll listen with glee as you talk to Tom. All right. And ask him some good questions, boys. <laughs> ask him some tough ones. We'll try. We got a little right, thanks, guys. We've got a little bit of experience in that. I think we can we'll pull I, it off I for you. I think you do. Yeah. <laughs> thanks, Marty. Have a good you weekend. you got a Hall of Famer with experience sitting next to you, Steve. That's right. Cut it out now. Cut it out. 1025. Speaking of that, um, is there a ceremony of some kind going on? Yeah, we've got a 50-minute, uh, one-hour deal, basically, uh, Monday at 11 o'clock my time. Okay. Yeah, 12 o'clock their time. And the five, of, I, five or six of us are going. You know, I think there's going to be more than that. I think last year's uh, Hall of Fame selections are going to be on there, too, because they never had a chance to be honored at the— right. And 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 nor did we have a chance this year. So we, so next year when we go, when when I go to New Orleans for that event, there will be three sets of Hall of Famers honored at that dinner because there's three of us that have never been so honored. Do I need to come to your place Monday <laughs> and make sure you're connected on Zoom correctly? And well, uh, Rosso's going to do it here. Jim okay. Russell is going to All actually right. set it up here. Because so. I don't want you slapping the desk and blaming me <laughs> with your colorful way of blaming me for things. Well, I, I mean, you're, you're mostly at fault, aren't you? No, only because I'm usually sitting next to you. <laughs> that's, a, that's a story we'll tell off the air sometime. Mm. But, uh, well, congratulations on that. And that'll, yeah. be, that'll be fun. And, uh, yeah. you know, with that many people, you can just kind of sit back and look good and let them talk. Yeah, Pat Forty will talk, Bill Benner and Dana O'Neill. Yeah, they'll all have things to say. Have and, you and thought about been, what, what you might say? Well, I've, I've thought that he, he said we're going to keep it short, and that, that makes it easy. <laughs> <laughs>
Well, no, but I, I did do I did do something I shouldn't have done this morning, Steve. And this is all because of you. Oh, of course. I shook the, I checked the number of Illinois football and basketball games that they have lost that I have covered. It is now gone. Well, Are I've you, got that number close at hand. Yeah, well, I'm going to tell you what I got it exact. I have covered one thousand and three one thousand. Losses in basketball and football since 1966 I've covered. <laughs> I was just looking it up because I, I, I keep a spreadsheet on that. And uh, our numbers may match, they may not, but they're pretty close. I think it's... I uh, think you're 112 games under 500 six, in football. <laughs> 637 basketball losses and 366 football losses. It, anyway, it comes to 1,003. Let's see here. I've got you... That's a uh, lot. I've got you 366. Is that what you said? Football yeah. losses? Mm-hmm. 10 ties. Yeah, I, got, I forgot the ties. <laughs> so you're 254 and 366 and 10 in mm-hmm. football. Yeah. That's minus 112 <laughs> below 500. That's a 40% uh, winning percentage there. Ed Bond, what's he doing keeping that? Fire the writer. It's my fault. <laughs> it must be the... The beat writer's fault. You're a longtime beat writer. Can't win with this guy. Let's get some new blood in. <laughs> Your basketball number is certainly better. And uh, you're, there's a 65% winning percentage there mm-hmm. in basketball. So yeah. I, I kept mine as well. Mine does go back only to 1981, not 1966. But So they could fire us both and not, not miss us. I just wonder, I how, the radio I just wonder how many, <laughs> how many uh, newspaper... Worker, I said, I'm going to call myself a well. I've been a columnist sure. the whole time. How many columnists have covered over a thousand losses for football and basketball and at the, any place? And between the three Not of very many, between <laughs> the three of us sitting here, Ed Bond to my right and you to my left, look at all the losses that we've seen. Ed's <laughs> seen them all since when? Oh, about 1974. So he's seen some wins, too. We've all seen some big wins. Speaking of football, they're having some, some contact over, I believe, today. I yeah, 11 o'clock. Bielema is going to he's gonna let him hit a little bit today, and we're going to have a press conference later about it. And uh, it's, it's really uh, – I, I, I think he's done everything right so far. I'm really encouraged by – I mean, I, I know that every time we get a new coach, we all say this, you know, oh, boy, we got – you know, we're going to turn it around. We're going to win. But I never felt this confident. And, and I'm not sure that he can do it because it is a, such a big job. The odds are against you at Illinois to win football games because we've, they've been losing for so many years. It's hard to turn it. Boy's doing everything right so far. He's got a couple of things going for him. Besides doing everything right, he's got the super senior situation mm-hmm. where he's got close to 20 guys that That's right. have played. That's right. And – and you could debate how good some of the guys are or whatever. They have played yeah. at the Big Ten level, and it's better than throwing a freshman or a redshirt freshman in there. Yeah. So I think that, uh, of course, everybody else has that same thing. The, of the, I don't know if anybody has more than that number staying. But we, we consider ourselves, quote, a linebacker school at one time because we've turned out a lot of great linebackers at the University of Illinois. But right now, the linebacking situation is so thin, I don't know if you can have a spring game. It's going to be hard. You're going to play he's, linebacker? He's really, 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 really thin. And I don't know, is Hanson going to practice this spring? Or I, don't, is he, I don't think so. Not at all, all spring. Well, I don't understand why he doesn't come out at this point. I mean, he's back in school. Yeah. I don't, I'm not sure what's going on there. He's here. If you and I have to play, 
Uh, do you want to be you want to be the linebacker or a wide receiver? I'll, I'll be the wide receiver. I'll be the wide receiver. <laughs> I'll just run out there. They're in bad shape either arms. way with that. Ten thirty one. A lot of fellow Saturday Did sports I said talk. I'd run out there. I'll trot out yeah, there. Yeah, you'll uh, you'll mosey along like Tim Conway <laughs> used to move. <laughs> We'll take a break and be back with more Line I Fellow Saturday Sports Talk after this. Ten thirty-three. This is Line I Fellow Saturday Sports Talk with Lauren Tate, Steve Kelly with you. We're chugging along until eleven o'clock this morning. Got started at nine. We appreciate uh, all the callers and our guests so far. Batting cleanup in our lineup today from St. Louis. Tom Ackerman, the sports director at KMOX in St. Louis. Good morning, Tom. How are you? Steve, I'm doing great. I've been on since 9 as well. So I did uh, just got off the Bethel Lutheran Church Pancake Breakfast. Which <laughs> is, uh, they do it virtually. Every year they have a Cardinals breakfast, and, and they have me as the guest speaker. And they would not be denied. They wanted to do it last year. They, they, they had to cancel it. But this year they did it on Zoom. And so it started at 9, and they said, you know, Tom has a heart out at 10. And I said, actually, I have to be on a call at 1030 with you guys. So I said, I'm good until 1029. So <laughs> they literally took me to 1029, and so I am warmed up. We, that, you talk about some questions. Boy, they, 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 are after, they got after it. So these were uh, a big group of Cardinals fans raring to go this morning. What was the, what was the number one question? You know, I, right out of the gate, they wanted to know, um, you know, about pitching, uh, of course, and and then you know they wanted to know about um, is this team considered to be, you know, one of the better ones in the National League? Um, I think there was some question about Matt Carpenter. I knew that was coming right away, uh, and and a lot of other things. But you know, the Cardinals fans are funny. They they are definitely excited about this team. Uh, but they do not miss a thing. I mean, they are paying very close attention to any questions that this team might have. And my overall theme was, you know, I really think that this franchise is pushing hard to uh, to get after another World Series. And I said, you know, they're doing it because of you. They really do it because of the fans. You know, the fans here are – pretty aggressive uh when it comes to demanding excellence and some could say that that's being spoiled others could say that that's just a high standard and i think that the fans ultimately pushed the cardinals to get nolan arenado and i think they they did it to appease the fan base who was starting to show signs of not only angst but a little apathy you know i think there were some people kind of wondering should i renew my season tickets should i invest my entire life to this team like i usually do is this team good enough and the cardinals said oh, you want to see good enough all right how about this so they gave them the best third baseman in the game uh one of the best third basemen over the last decade and uh and he makes everybody better so the the optimism is high but there are still a lot of questions back to the pitching i know that uh, lauren and I have talked about that a little bit, and you, we've heard about and kind of believe that the pitching depth in the Cardinals system is pretty good. But all of a sudden, when you get a couple guys down with injuries, you start wondering about the starting rotation. You got Wayno going today, and I guess that means probably what Carlos tomorrow. And uh, you're just not sure about the the durability of the uh, starting rotation. Yeah, I totally hear that. I think there's a gap between. 
you know, the, the durable pitchers and then the ones who are coming eventually. And then there's sort of a middle group of the Gants and the Ponce de Leones who are still really good, but not considered to be like some of the top prospects. My, for example, you know, I think in a year or two, you're going to have Alex Reyes and even a pitcher like Johan Oviedo, who I think is a spectacular talent. And then another one, Henesis Cabrera, who, like Oviedo, once he starts to harness his pitches and throws strikes and, and gets through innings a little bit quicker, could be a dynamic starter. I mean, those three in a rotation with Jack Flaherty, Reyes, Cabrera, and Oviedo, look out. I mean, but you're still a year or two away from that maybe, maybe a year away from that. So in the, for the time being, you've got to figure out how you're going to fill in these other spots in the rotation. They thought they had it with Miles Michaelis and Kwon Young Kim. Now both of them are on the shelf. KK should be back by mid-April. They'll probably run through this rotation a couple times before they get him up to speed. The other one, Miles Michaelis, at best, he'll be back in early May. I mean, they're talking late April, early May, best-case scenario. What they don't want to do is once he is healthy and ready – and his shoulder is better, they don't want to rush him back. I mean, you, if you're going to get Miles Michaelis, you want the Miles Michaelis that can pitch into August, September, and October, not a guy who's just going to pitch for a start or two and then not be able to make it. So for the time being, you got to get uh, the rotation settled, and that's why they have Gant and Ponce de Leon in there. Uh, and that's why they ramped up Gant pretty quickly because they knew that they weren't going to have Michaelis. And then they had the setback with KK, so Ponce is holding that spot down for the time being. And that's really where it is. Um, beyond that, you have Jake Woodford on the 26-man roster, and why is he there? Well, if Ponce de Leon can't throw strikes and, and only goes an inning or two for some reason, you've got a backup that can jump right in. The problem is, you know, he's not ramped up as a starter necessarily. Well, they will. I mean, they'll they'll get him ready for a game like that, but – you know, you have to have a pitcher like that who can throw multiple innings for you because, like you said, you know, they're they're not right now a proven group of durable, let's-go-deep starters. On the other side of that, no team really last year has it. You know, they, there are good starters across the board, but, you know, everybody went through a two-month season last year. So, you know, you've got uh, a lot of pitchers out there where it's been a while since they went. 150, 180, 200 plus innings, um, and the Cardinals will just sort of have to navigate through that themselves. I think best case scenario, KK comes back, Michaelis comes back in May, and you're good to go. Worst case, Michaelis has a setback, KK has a setback, and you got to figure it out. That's probably where the Cardinals get aggressive and start shopping, and then by you know the summer they have another pitcher that they can add to their rotation and then can move forward. Well, I want to, I want to move you over to um, the cleanup spot because when you've got two guys like Goldsmith and Arenado batting 2-3, I don't want a right-handed batter that hits ground balls. <laughs> I, want a, I want a left-handed hitter who can pull the ball and, and, and hit with some – that guy doesn't exist on this Cardinal team, does it? A left-handed hitting cleanup hitter, that – it seems to me that's their biggest that's their biggest shortcoming. Your thoughts on that? Last year when they were in the playoffs, their cleanup hitter was Dylan Carlson. Mm -hmm. And he's a switch hitter. So right. he hits from the left side. He is pretty devastating and uh I like and he that. showed uh you know, in that first game that he can he powered one off the pole 
for a home run. He's got great power. So if I were drawing up a lineup, I I have three different scenarios for you. One would have Goldie, Arenado, Carlson, two, three, four, Mm -hmm. because I'm not 100% on the young right now as your as your cleanup hitter. As you mentioned, you're you're putting three righties in a row. Uh, The the next thought would be to have Carlson bat second. So you have Edmund first, Carlson batting second with the massive protection of Goldschmidt and Arenado three and four. That's a pretty good two, three, four right there. But how about this one? This this might be a little different. What if you went with Edmund leading off, Goldschmidt two, where he seems pretty comfortable, Carlson third, and Arenado fourth. Now you're hitting them with a left, right, left, right. Mm-hmm. Um, that could that could be interesting. You got two switch hitters, two right-handed hitters. So I think it really depends on their comfortability, how comfortable they are with putting Carlson a little higher in the order. I don't think he should be at seven myself. When I drew up a lineup early in spring training, I had him at two. But, you know, so far it's worked. So it doesn't look like they're going to change it anytime soon. They scored 11 runs in the first game, and Carlson hit a bomb at number seven in the order. So I think that's probably where they go. But keep an eye on the cleanup spot and see if that changes a little bit. But that they do like Arenado batting behind Goldie 2-3 mm-hmm. sure. because you're going to have to see them more. And if you're an opposing pitcher, you're going to have to face Arenado in the first inning. Like There's no way around it. So it, it, it becomes a problem. And having Arenado offer some protection for Goldschmidt is pretty scary too because those are some really good players. And Goldie responded with a four-for-five day. Well, the difference between Goldschmidt and Arenado and the rest of these right-handed hitters is they don't care. Who's who's throw, the guy could be thrown with both hands as far as they're concerned. I mean they they're as they're as accustomed to batting against right-handed pitching as they are lefted. I I don't know what the percentages are. I'm sure that somebody can tell me, but I have just as much confidence when they're up there against a right-handed pitcher as as anybody. And uh, so anyway, I, I I just yeah your your thoughts are exactly like mine. I think Carlson will wind up being the cleanup hitter, but I still think they need a a left-handed hitting right fielder, and they've got one out there right now, Williams. I just don't know if he's going to be good enough to hold the position. I don't know either, but, you know, what about this? What if Harrison Bader comes back healthy and can be your center fielder and Carlson's your left-handed hitting right fielder, you know? So, yeah. well, switch hitting right fielder. So that that would be a good situation. And then O'Neal playing in left, who also hit a home run against the Reds. You know, the other thing is, you know, it is one game. So while it was definitely exciting – um, yeah, I, I noticed that Carlson hits a home run, so suddenly all the national writers are like, Dylan Carlson will win the National uh, <laughs> Rookie of the Year. Yeah. You know, it's like, well, let's let's all slow down a little bit. He's uh, he's great, uh, but he will go through a slump also. Um, but you know, you're right, and and I I feel the same way about the lineup. Um, to be honest, my initial lineup did have DeYoung uh, in in a in a productive position so i had my my lineup that i drew up at the beginning of spring training was edmund carlson goldschmidt arenado de young yadi o'neill bader um they since have amended that to edmund goldschmidt arenado de young moving those guys up a spot o'neill up to five yadi six carlson seven and eight the extra outfielder, which in this case was Justin Williams. I mean, I like the lineup. I, you know, it, it's fine. But you know, let's just see over time. The four spots really important. 
I mean, is Paul DeYoung, I'm going to throw away last year because he had COVID and it was just a weird year. But is he good enough to, if you've got players that good getting on base ahead of him, is he good enough to be the number four hitter on, on a National League contending team? You know, that we'll see. More baseball talk with Tom Ackerman in just a moment. Uh, much of the talk this morning has been on the transfer portal in college basketball. So I'm going to let you know that Illinois did pick up a commitment from Omar Payne. He is a big man, 6'10", 230, transfer from the Florida Gators. Yeah, I, I, the thing, I looked him up the other day when I heard they were going to get him, and, and, and he didn't even play in their first uh, game. He did play in their second game. He had a few points and a few rebounds in their second NCAA game I'm talking about. Right. Uh, he's a backup for Castleton, who is a guy that was being heavily recruited by Big Ten schools a year ago and wound up at Florida. He played in 11 games total, sophomore, so that would, he would have three years left. But he is announcing that he is coming to the University of Illinois. So we'll talk more about That's that. Uh, yeah, and then, you know, you got, Brand, I, yeah, you got uh, uh, Brandon McKissick going to Florida. Uh, the uh, transfer from UMKC uh, picked Florida over SLU and Mizzou and KU and some others. Um, you know, I, I'm I'm good with Illinois picking up. Uh, I don't know how much uh, confidence uh, everybody has in a player that they haven't seen a lot of, but you know, I, I trust Brad Underwood there. I, I'll tell you another. I don't know if he's gone anywhere. I haven't seen it yet. But Noah Locke uh, entered the trans. Who didn't enter the transfer portal? But Noah, Noah Locke down in Florida can really shoot it. Shoots uh, over forty percent from three. Um, good scoring guard. I'd love to see where he goes. Uh, if he hasn't gone anywhere, I haven't seen it. Uh, I've been talking baseball all morning, but I haven't hey, seen Hey, Tom, what's going to happen with all the Missouri players? <laughs> yeah, you know, like, I'd like to see a list of who didn't enter the transfer portal. <laughs> That'd be actually more interesting to me. Who actually stayed? Uh, so Xavier Pinson is going to transfer. Uh, Jeremiah Tillman um, has played his final game. Uh, Mark Smith's going to K-State. Um, I'm trying to think if I, I know there's there's a few others that are transferring also. You know, there, there's a big change going on at Missouri. Really? And uh, Drew Smith, you know, who transferred from Evansville, you know, he's he's moving on because he's just, you know, he he had a, a terrific career. So, it's you know, you've got basically Kobe Brown. Um, you've got a really good freshman class coming in. Um and you've got a couple of transfers coming in. So, I mean, Missouri will be in a transition. I think they'll they'll still be a competitive team, but it's definitely a team that you kind of hoped you could keep some momentum going because Conzo finally got this program back on good footing. But I'm, I'm not I'm not sure. You know, it's kind of an unknown what they're going to look like. Uh, Conzo has experience putting together a group of guys who don't know each other very well and making them into a pretty good team. So, We'll see where that all goes. I, 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 um, I am very encouraged with my alma mater. What happened yesterday? You know, I was sitting there at lunch with a friend of mine, and we're like, "Geez, I mean, you know, you got six guys, I think, or something like that, in the transfer portal. I mean, are we gonna, are, are we in a rebuilding phase here? And you know, who would want to come back to a rebuilding phase? And just as we're talking, my phone lights up with an alert that Trace Jackson Davis is coming back, and I said, "My friend, we just got really good." because he's going to be a Wooden Award 
watch guy, and probably that means Christian Lander comes back and all these others who have entered the portal will probably come back and, and try to give it a run with this player who said that he doesn't want to run when things get tough. He wants to stay with the program and, and try to build it. And it's a credit to Mike Woodson for talking him out of the NBA draft, which he's really not ready to be a top player yet. Uh, and But he's a dynamic college player. So that, that felt pretty good to, to see Indiana – uh, as an alum who's a I'm a total delusional fan uh, who thinks that we're supposed to be great every year at least to to see that we're we're on a, a path for for a pretty good team next year before we get back to baseball one other basketball note you do a lot of work in the Missouri Valley Conference your thoughts on Porter Moser going to Oklahoma man I just texted uh, my friend Joe Castiglione who's the athletic director there and I said Wait a minute. I said, so my friends Joe and Porter are are together. I said, can I move to Norman? Uh, no, but I, they uh, they're they're two really good people right there. I mean, you know, Lon Kruger is a good man, as you know, and um, Joe has replaced him with another good man. Uh, Porter Moser is not only a good basketball coach, but he really worked hard, guys, in getting the Loyola student section fans people into the basketball program and it's a it's a big reason for their success a lot of the marketing of Loyola has Porter's uh, fingerprints all over it so he will go to a football school in Oklahoma which has a proud basketball program and he will work extremely hard to get that thing uh, back to prominence and he's a good X's and O's coach taught by the the one and only Rick Majerus um, he has uh, a great sense for what basketball programs should be. He does it the right way, and he's he's very young with tons of energy uh, mixed with experience. I think it's a very, very smart hire. Tough loss for the Valley, but, gosh, just look around the Big Ten, the Big 12, uh, you name it, what, what league, the Pac-12, you know, there are Valley coaches sprinkled all throughout. It's just a tradition of the Valley. It's a coaches league. The coaches build the, their careers up and then they go on to bigger programs. Is Drew Valentine going to get that job? I think that'd be a great pick. Yeah. I think that'd be a great pick. I think he'd be the next one in line. Absolutely. I, I think that's, that's the smart move there. And, and uh, Loyola should be able to continue uh, with some good continuity there. They're, they're a very, uh, good program. Uh, I, I don't see that thing dropping off too much. Got about three minutes left with uh, Tom Ackerman. The Cardinals have another series yet on the road before they open at home, but uh, let's move ahead to that uh, date when the Cardinals do open home at home. It'll be good to see fans back at Bush Stadium. What's the, what's the percentage? What kind of crowds are you looking for at the beginning? Uh, they're at 32% capacity for Bush Stadium to start. So we're talking about 14,500 diehard fans who have been sitting at home and waiting to be back at Bush Stadium for over a year. They haven't, they haven't played a regular season game there since late September of 2019. So it'll be a very emotional crowd. Uh, there will be a, a lot of noise for, for a small crowd like that. And I think it's just going to continue to grow. So the, the optimistic feel is that we're talking full capacity by mid to late summer if vaccinations continue to, to rise. So if they see the vaccination rates continue to go up, the city of St. Louis, the state of Missouri, 
is going to approve that capacity to increase each time. Uh, Dr. Fred Eccles, the uh, director of uh, the health department in the city of St. Louis, leads that along with the mayor's office. They sign off on that. They're the ones who talk to the Cardinals for a long time to get it right. 32% is the number that they settled on, and, and they'll they'll uh, soak in every moment of that. It's going to be a bittersweet home opener without Bob Gibson and Lou Brock, two incredible legends. Um, so, you know, it's it's going to be tough to not see them out there with their red jackets, but it's always a very, very special day. Tom Ackerman, KMOX in St. Louis. We can't give you pancakes for being on with us, but uh, if you come to town for a Illinois-Indiana basketball game on one of these days, look us up. We'll buy you a dinner. <laughs> Man, I, I miss Champagne, man. I miss that building so much. I, you know how I feel about them. Uh, they, people at Illinois have always been so good to me, and uh, I, uh, I'm not gonna even. We're not gonna talk about I, the the game itself, but I will just say that program's gonna be just fine, and I can't wait until they're competing in the Big Ten in front of that crowd. And uh, I I really things are just better when Illinois is good in basketball. And by the way, they're going to be pretty good in football. I'll give give him a chance too. So good yeah. stuff, Tom. Appreciate it. Thank you guys. You bet. See you later. Yep, Tom Ackerman, KMOX in St. Louis. We'll take a break and be back with more after this. Ten fifty eight is the time. Wrapping things up on Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. Had some good uh, conversation this morning. What did you learn today, Steve? Well, I learned that um, our um, trepidation about the Cardinal pitching staff is probably... <laughs> hey, you should. we should never talk about the starters. They're never around in the sixth inning That's anyway. That's true. When are the games won, Steve? Sixth, seventh, eighth, and ninth innings, yep. right? That's, when you, that's what you remember about every game. And there's not a starting pitcher ever around. 14%. Of the pitchers last year through 100 pitches, 100 pitches in a starting a starting rotation in the old days you pitched 100 pitches, right? Yep. 14 percent last year through 100 pitches in a game, starting pitchers. That's just a fan. I mean, that was a minimal number, and you know, a few years back. Maybe I'm going too many years back. The uh, well, no doubt about that. But <laughs> the. Uh, <laughs> The basketball, nice. the basketball transfer portal news is that Omar Payne from Florida, a 6'10 big man, is announcing he is coming to Illinois. He averaged about four points and three rebounds in a backup role for the Florida Gators. Well, as I you. said, he did not play in their first NCAA game. He, he got in the game, the second game, about 11 minutes. Yep, yep. And I thought, okay, I mean, it sounds like he's going to be a backup if we, if we have the right center. That's going to take care of the show on WDWS Champaign-Urbana. This is Steve Kelly for Lauren Tate, our producer Dave Leak, and Ed Bond. Have a good weekend, everybody.